Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 20, <coughs> and we're going through again the Ten Commandments, we just have the Ninth Command and the Tenth Command to look at, um, I would like to do two messages on this command, this Ninth Command, and then we'll finish hopefully the, the last one by the end of the month, uh, look at Exodus chapter 20. Yeah, and go ahead and turn there, and then um, let's look at, in Exodus chapter 20, before we look at the verse 16, which is the ninth command, I want to remind you again that the first few verses of the chapter are based on these statements about God and to His people and to those listening, Exodus 20, Exodus 20, look at verse 1 and 2, Exodus 20, verse 1 and 2, and just remember that this is like the... The premise, this is the premise, the statement is the premise by which everything else is being said, okay? And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Those two verses together, Exodus 20, verse 1 and 2. Exodus 20, verse 1 and 2 begin. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And on that basis, then God says the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh command, eighth command. Now look at the ninth command on that basis of who he is. The ninth command, verse 16 is, I'll read it once, the second time we'll read it together. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Let's read that together. Begin. Thou shalt against thy neighbor. So we're going to look today at this simply at this command, the ninth command, being honest about personal honesty, and it's amazing. This is this is a fascinating uh, statement. You're like, oh, there's not much to that. The Bible talks about other things as it relates to honesty and telling the truth and being a true witness. Why do we lie? You know, what do we lie about? In what ways might we lie? There's some interesting angles about this whole idea of being honest and being a true witness. Before we look at that, I want to, I want to give you a little neat, interesting fact uh, here. Show this next slide, please. Um, this, this is interesting. I read this. I heard somebody say a statement, and I didn't believe it, so I just looked it up, but I didn't even know this. The very first, the very first uh, complete Bible ever published in the Western Hemisphere was not an English Bible, a King James Bible, or Geneva Bible. It was a Native American Bible, the Algol, I don't know how to say it, Algolkian, Algonquian Bible. So it was a tribe that uh, a, a missionary, John Eliot was his name, 1604, 1690. He wasn't the first missionary to Native Americans. He was one of the first here on this side of the world, North America. He came and he... It worked on learning their language, helping them establish a written language and studied them and studied them and studied them. And this missionary published the first. He had saw to it, he, he compiled and published the first Bible printed on this side of the world. And who was it for? All the explorers and all the what are, they, what are they, the slanderous name, uh, the imperialists or whatever, colonists? No, the colonists actually are trying to be missionaries here. Published it for them. 
for the Native Americans to give the gospel. And he worked on evangelism, gospel evangelism with the tribes. Interesting man. There's another neat fact. You can study his life. It wasn't perfect, but he preached the gospel and helped establish um, some churches. Here's the, the page of this Old Testament, New Testament of this tribe published here. The Word of God, the Bible of God for this tribe of people here. Isn't that neat? One of the things, here's why I brought this out. It's an interesting fact that the first Bible ever published was to the Native Americans on this side of the hemisphere. And um, I need to see if it was even the first, I don't think it was the first book published, but it's certainly the first Bible on this side of the hemisphere. But you know what he did? You know how he got it? He didn't just go in there and say, hello, and start just, you know, just going at it with the gospel, with tribes. Of course, he got to know them and and got to be friendly and learn their ways and integrate as much as he can. But you know what he started preaching? One of his main emphasis, one of the main themes that he kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going on was preaching the Ten Commandments of God to people who aren't Jewish. Preaching... There's one God. You have no other gods before you. You don't make idols and bow down and worship them. Don't use God's name in vain. Take a day a week and rest. Honor your parents. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. He was preaching those things to people who weren't even Jewish because he knew, like the book of Romans says, some of that stuff's already written in the conscience. So he was, he was amplifying something that they already had a conscience of. And he preached the law, the moral law of God, and it caused the stirring of, I'm in trouble. And then he preached Jesus, who's the solution to the trouble. And people, that's how people got saved. That was one of the outstanding things they said, is he preached the law and the gospel. Preached God's moral law and then showed Jesus is the answer to that. Otherwise, Jesus is foolishness to them. Oh, nice man. Sorry you got up there. Yeah. Suffered. <clears throat> Interesting. So the Ten Commandments are, are preparatory for a man who's lost to realize, I'm busted with God. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. And the conscience has to be convicted in order for the heart to want to embrace Jesus. Else Jesus is foolishness to people. So when somebody says, man, we don't preach law, man. We just preach love, man. We just preach Jesus. If you really love somebody, you'll show them why they need Jesus. Right? We preach the law and the gospel. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus. You had not known sin. You don't even really know what sin is except by the law. That's what the apostle of grace, Paul says. Oh, the law shows me my sin, and my sin helps me realize how much I need Jesus. And so, just as a classic example, he's not the only one. Some of the, you know, we hear about first great awakening, second great awakening, revivals in, the, in America. You, most Americans wouldn't be able to sit still for five minutes to listen to John Edwards read a sermon. And he preached things that, like, there's a law of God, and we've broken it. And we're like spiders dangling on a spider web hanging over hell about to fall down. That's the language he used as he's reading his sermon. 
And God used that to convict people and say, I need Jesus. I need to get right with God. And the first and second great awakenings were things that helped, were formative in the moral conscience of this nation and influenced even our politics. And we're waiting on some of the fruits of that, which are running out today. But anyways, there you go. But today, now let's go to what God has to say to us. Okay, here we go. Here's what God has to say to us. We read it. Thou shalt, verse 16, not, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I read about a kid, high schooler, senior in high school, played on the soccer team. This was in the early 90s. Played on the soccer team at his school. It was actually Wheaton Christian. It's known as, today it's known as Wheaton Christian Academy in Illinois. Back then they called it Wheaton Christian High School. Played on the soccer team, and his team was playing this other school. The, the other school is called uh, uh, Wabansi, Wabansi Valley High School. Soccer team's playing each other. It's a big game. And uh, the final seconds, in the final seconds of this game, this guy's name's Rob Mal, is his name. Rob, the senior in high school, was, you know, he was, um, he was dribbling the ball in front of him, running as fast as he can toward the goal. And as the, as the record states, he's running towards the opponent's goal as fast as he can, dribbling the ball. But just before he kicked the ball, he quick, caught a quick sight of the scoreboard and the time. As he caught a quick sight of the scoreboard and the time, the clock read 00.00. Time had ran out. But like any good athlete, he went ahead and just gave it a good swift kick, and it went through, and he got the goal. And everybody's like, yeah, he got the goal. The referee signaled right away that the goal counted. And the game finished in a tie. That was actually brought him up. They were down one. It brought him to a tie. So it ended in a tie game between Wheaton and this other school. And this athlete for Wheaton, Rob, that I just mentioned, who kicked it in, uh, was pretty excited. He hears all his Wheaton uh, high school fans cheering. And then the other Wabansi fans were crying out because they saw the clock too. And they were crying out in protest. Time to run out. Rob, the athlete in the middle here, had a choice. He could say nothing at all and just avoid a loss. Um, after all, it's the referee's job to make the calls on this stuff, right? It's not his. Or he could, he could do what's right and say what he has witnessed. So Rob went over to the referee, and he first, and he was wise, he went over to the referee, and he asked the referee, he says, now, is the official time, because the referee has a, um, a watch, stopwatch, he says, is the official time your stopwatch, or is it that over there that, by the scoreboard? And the referee says, that, that's the official time. And he says, well, um, okay. And so he ran over, he said, Rob went to his coaches, he went over to his coaches, and he explained to his coaches that just before the kick, he saw the 0-0 on the scoreboard, on the, and the, the scoreboard clock. Since he didn't hear a whistle, he told his coaches, I went ahead and kicked it, but I did see it was 0-0. But my goal is late according to the official time, and I don't think it should count. So he and his coaches discussed it. His coaches agreed. This is after the game. <clears throat> so the coaches and Rob went over to the opposing coaches and explained what had happened. And they conceded their victory to Wabansi High School, saying this, it actually wasn't, it wasn't a fair kick. It was, time was out. And even though the referee was, so we concede this victory to you. And... Um, what would you do? <laughs> what would you do? Whatever makes me look cool, right? <laughs> That's how some people think. 
If honesty makes me look cool, I want to be honest. You know, come on. Oh, there's more to this than than just looking good. You know, God sees everything we do. God sees everything and hears everything we say. He knows the accuracy of our speech. And are we true witnesses? I mean, ask yourself, am I honest in my communication? Now, sometimes we're uh, unintentionally inaccurate, right? Oh, I was mistaken. I get that. That's false. But sometimes we are intentionally deceptive or dishonest. Or sometimes we want to get by on a dishonest. Let's look at some. Here's what I want to do with the rest of our time. First of all, we just want to spend some time and read some other scriptures, and I'll keep it to very minimum comments. Let's just read some other scriptures right now, okay? So just bring forward the idea of being a false, uh, a false witness is wrong and a true witness is honorable. So let's do that, and then we're going to go back to this verse and just a couple of thoughts here from the verse. That's what we'll do with the second part of our time. Let's look in Exodus 23. Again, God uh, wants us to exhibit personal honesty. Exodus 23, Exodus 23, uh, verse 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You see, there's this, this is a country being formed. And here's some statements. And they had to have their judicial system based on honest statements. Don't get into raising a false report rumors or things might be but you say are thou shalt not raise a false report the chapter look at Deuteronomy 19 please Deuteronomy 19 next a few books over Deuteronomy 19 Deuteronomy 19 verse 15 Deuteronomy 19 actually yes verse 15 let's do that again a judicial system a court system of interacting between men and women and, and their proposed uh, possible offenses. It has to be based on honest reports. Otherwise, nothing's trustworthy. Deuteronomy 19.15, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in, wit, in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. If there's a, if there's a controversial thing... Don't just have one person, it all depends on the statement of one person. Two or three need to be like, okay, we affirm this, because this is controversial, and we're, before we penalize this guy, put this guy in prison, or kill him, execute him because of something, we need to establish true facts, because this man's life or his assets are at stake. That's what God says, you need two or three witnesses. Um, and then even goes on, chapter 16, or pardon me, the same chapter, verses 16 onwards. If there's a false witness and he goes through and he's found to be a false witness against somebody and the judge finds out that he perjured himself, that guy gets busted. That guy needs to be punished who's a false witness. Because God will not, in Israel's day, like we're not going to have a corrupt judicial system. It's a reflection of him. And so that's how it should be today even. We don't care what you think. We don't care how you feel about who's in front of you. Judge righteously. We don't care is a person's called to testify. Just we don't care about how you feel. Tell us the facts. And that's how it is. We need to know true witness, a true witness. And so God cares about that. Look in Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. 
There's things, I know it sounds horrible and politically incorrect, but God actually hates some things. And notice it doesn't necessarily say that He hates people. He hates certain hands. He hates a certain tongue. He hates certain feet. Proverbs 6, 16. Proverbs 6, 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. We'll just look at one. Look at verse 19. He hates... A false witness that speaketh lies. God hates it when somebody is lying and saying, you know what I saw that guy do? And you lie about it or you twist it. God says, I hate that. I don't want God to hate anything about what I'm doing. My hands, my feet, my tongue, my witness. I don't want God to hate those things about me. I know he loves me as his child, but I don't want him to be hating. So I need to be honest for his glory's sake. Look at chapter 12, verse 17. Chapter 12, verse 17. True, being true, being an honest witness. Chapter 12, verse 17. It says, He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness. But a false witness, deceit. Verse 19. Look at verse 19. Proverbs 12, 19. The lip of truth shall be established forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. Look at verse 22. Verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. Aren't there certain foods that you're just repulsed by? You know, I can't have whatever, you know, some kind of meat or drink or something. You're like repulsed. It's an abomination to you. That's the idea. Abomination to God. It's disgusting. He says, lying lips are an abomination to me. But aren't there certain foods that you just love? They're a delight. God says, for him, they that deal truly are a delight to him. Let's look at chapter, uh, let's go into the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ affirmed the Ten Commandments in chapter 19. Matthew 19, 18, I won't read that. He affirmed the Ten Commandments. But in chapter 15 of Matthew, please look in Matthew 15, 19. Matthew 15, 19. Jesus explains that, um, you know, it comes from the inside of us being this way. Matthew 15, 19, it's personal um, guilt here. It's not somebody else's fault that you lie. Matthew 15, uh, in fact, let's look at the context here, 15, 17, Matthew 15, 17. Jesus says, do you not yet whatsoever entereth in at the mouth, goeth into the belly and, cast, and is cast out into the draught. Jesus is talking about physically, whatever you eat, it's going to go through you. He's basically saying that's not that big of a deal. What's a bigger deal is what you already have in you by way of, your inner being, verse 18. But those things which proceed, oh, they're coming this other way. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are, things, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So again, we have the potential, you and I have the potential of all sorts of bad things, and they come from within. And so i got to say, God, let me win from the inside out on being honest 
by being honest in my possessions, in my communication, in my desires, all that. Because inside there's a bad factory going on in there, and I need to shut it down. Okay, look at, um, let's look in Ephesians 4.25. There's more, but we can look at. There were false witnesses that were set up to uh, get Jesus crucified. And then there, here in the New Testament, Paul has to tell people who are already Christians to put lying. Ephesians 4.25. Ephesians 4.25. It says, um, real simple stuff. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Let's read that together, okay? Verse 25, Ephesians 4.25. Begin. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. <clears throat> Amen. All right, now let's, there's more scriptures we could read, but I just want you to kind of create a little awareness there in the, in the Bible about God saying He wants us to be true. Let's go back to Exodus and just consider some thoughts here. Exodus chapter 20, the, the, you see the, ten, the tenth command, or the ninth command. What does it mean, I should have said this up front, when God says, thou shalt bear false witness? So the word false witness, um, what does that mean to be a false witness? A false witness, it means you say you saw something when you really didn't see it. Or you say you saw something and you're describing it inaccurately from what you really saw. It's a, you're saying a witness that's not accurate from what really happened. False witness. It's an inaccurate record. It means you, when you write down what happened to you, and you start writing down what happened to you on the report or the police report or the whatever, and you're not being accurate, you're writing a false report. How many of you, are, okay, did anybody get a, a, a sketchy email this week? I get them all the time, man. I don't know if I have my phone on me. I, I get these emails all the time. It starts out, usually I can, I can tell right off the bat. You know, but emails like, um, what was the last one? Oh, your, your cloud is full. And the letters and the font on iCloud is like, you know, you can tell they switched it up. They're trying to catch your, some, they're playing little tricks on you. Your iCloud thing is full. It's full. You got to get it, you know, you got to fix it and pay us money and we'll enlarge it for you. You know, that's the idea. And they're trying to, <coughs> and I'm like, Wow. I knew this one was fake, but I click on it. I, I, like to play, I like to play and entertain myself. Wow, it's full? Oh, I'm talking to myself when I'm opening it. Wow. Wow, I wonder who this professional guy is. Let's look at his email address. Click on his email. Oh, yaka yaka maka at cox.net. Probably not, you know. And then they get the same email from jabba 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 at cox.net, you know. I'm like, man, they keep trying to block that one, block that one. He's probably got 25 false emails. And there's so many, you know, Jesus says many deceivers are gone out into the world in all kinds of ways, religiously, politically, financially. They're all out there. I mean, I can't, don't you, man, you work so hard on a dishonest job. How much could you make getting an, an honest job? And so there's people out there that trick us, right? They're false, pro, they're false prophets in your email. There's false reports. Well, I don't want to be one of them. Uh, one time I... Did I thought about getting a job at the post office when I was kind of bivocational here. And uh, there was this thing, apparently there's, at the time, 
at the time, it was like you have to be able to read stuff fast and codes and stuff. like I don't know how it's handled now. But there was this thing where you can get trained on it. And they train you how to read stuff fast and codes and patterns. And so I paid this money for this post office training job. And I'm going through it and I'm working on it and doing a little bit each night and all this. And then I, and I don't know, after a few weeks, three, four weeks, I, I go back and I try to check out this company again. I'm like, man, this company's nowhere to be found. Where are they? And I found out it was a fraud, man. They tricked me, got 100 or 150 bucks out of me, something like that. And I thought, ah, oh, people, are, people are liars. Now, that's on a big scale, you know, tricking somebody. It's like, am I being honest with people on my scale? That's the idea. So back at this thing is I think what we need to kind of, in the rest of our time, is think of this whole commandment as the, the need to have personal honesty. Notice he says, thou and thy. Thou and thy. So let's look at a couple of points here. First of all, this is about a personal responsibility to be true. It is your personal responsibility to tell the truth. Listen, kids, it is, it is your personal responsibility to tell the truth. Quip, don't blame somebody else for you lying, okay? If you, passed, if you genuinely heard a message and you passed on a message and you didn't know that it was true, that's another thing. But what you are communicating... You know, of yourself, it's your responsibility in communicating it accurately and being a true witness. This is about, look, again, simple stuff. Thou shalt not bear false. That's you. That's me. It's a matter of personal responsibility. I can't control others in this matter. I can't control everything you're saying. You can't control everything I'm saying. I can't hardly control everything in my kids saying, oh, well, the Bible's true. The tongue can no man tame. I can spank it, though, you know. <laughs> Make you wish you were tamed. You know, there's certain things you can do to hone in, but, man, for the most part, I can't control everybody else's speech. I can control mine by the grace of God. I can be accountable for my witness, my reports, my statements. And this is a personal responsibility to show honesty. Thou shalt not lie. So that's the first thought here. As we look at this text, it's a personal responsibility for you and I to be honest. Yes, or a couple days ago, Grant, our boys are going to, we've, we've homeschooled for over 20 years, and now we're the, our four boys now are in a Christian school. And on like every, occasionally at the Christian school, they have, they do uniforms, but occasionally they do, um, was it dress down day, casual day, Noah, is what they call it? They're happy about that. Yes, man, I have to wear the, the colors again, you know, so they can wear to a certain extent what they want and so but they got to pay for it and so it's only a dollar sometimes it's two dollars let me ask you is anybody paid is it two dollars is it always a dollar is one of them too john you pay late okay so okay so here's what happened all the boys know this grant was a little behind he's like oh dad I forgot, it's dress down day, and it was like Friday morning. It was Friday was dress down day. Friday morning, he was leaving for school. So I thought, well, it's probably two bucks because he's late. So I gave him the two bucks because I think they pay earlier in the week to be able to do it. Otherwise, you've got to wear your school uniform person, you know. And so I gave him two bucks. All right, here, Grant, here's two bucks. And yay, you know, so he's wearing what he wants, and he's all cool going to school and his casual stuff and has a good day and everything. And and uh, Noah did his, John and Jim, they do theirs, you know. They had their own money and stuff. I gave Grant $2, and, and so didn't think anything. 
of it. And so yesterday, Saturday, I'm sitting there at the table, and I was busy. I was kind of, what was I doing? I was helping one of the boys or doing something. And uh, um, Grant come up to me, and he, and he goes, it was only a dollar. It was only a dollar. I was like, what? I, I wasn't even thinking of this stuff. He's like, Dad, it was, it was only a dollar. Can I have the dollar? So, <laughs> so I said, what was only a dollar? He goes, dress down day. I was like, they, they only charged me a dollar. And you want the dollar? Yeah. It's like, you can have it then. Thanks for telling me. Yeah. And that's what, it was that simple. And I'm like, I gave him the dollar in my own heart. I'm like, cool, because he's being honest. And I said, thanks for being honest. And so that, you know, that's personally, that was his <coughs> personal responsibility to be honest like that. Number two, let's think of this. So as we think of the personal honesty, it is a number one personal responsibility, and it's going, it's dealing with our personal relationships. Notice the simple thing. What does it say? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, it, isn't it amazing? He says something against thy neighbor. He brings in a, an, a descriptive relationship here, somebody near you. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. It's talking about a personal relationship. Who's my neighbor? It's those near me. It doesn't necessarily always have to be the address near you. That is one of them. It's those near you, your friends near you, your co-workers near you, your co-workers near you, your neighbors near you, your household that you're living with, your family. Your neighbors are those that are near you in the office uh, for a little bit while you're driving. Um, who you're sitting next to in the waiting room. Uh, who you're sitting who you live next to, who you live with, who's the room next to you, those are your neighbors. And our neighbors need to find us true and trustworthy, even if they only know us but for a little bit. Or if they're related to us, they need to especially find us that because they get to test us multiple times. We need to be true to our neighbors. True, it's a personal responsibility to be honest with those near me. My kids, we homeschooled, as I said, for years except this year, <coughs> our four oldest that are married, one of, I had one of them one time. Well, let me preface this about homeschooling. Homeschooling, you could, you could find ways to easily cheat. There's ways you can find to cheat when you're homeschooling. I mean, you can, um, you can being in the house so often and watching mom and dad, and especially us having a small house, they can, they, they can find out where we're putting the answer key, you know, unless it's all stuck in our phone or the something behind a code. We had most, most of the time actual books and stuff and answer keys. And, and uh, sometimes they can find out where the answer key is. You know, they can, when we're not looking, go and look at the answer key, get the answers for the test, for the quiz, and cheat on something, you know. And, um, and it, of course, we want to stop that. We try to tell them not to. But in homeschooling, that can happen. It can happen anywhere, really. Um, you can, you know, copy and paste all things from the Internet and tell your teacher that it's you. You know, and uh, that's lying and bearing a false witness. One of the times, but one time though, one of our kids, when we were, we were actually at a teen camp all the way in California, I went to a teen camp in California for about five years <laughs> while West Branch was being rebuilt. And so we, um, there's a camp, had good preaching and stuff, and they give an invitation, and kids are responding and, um, you know, showing sincere decisions to the preaching and different things. And one of my kids just came walking up to me. They didn't go forward. They came backward to their dad. And they came 
came up to me and they said, Dad, um, and they were, you know, I don't even know any of this, but they said, Dad, I, was, I had cheated on some things and they told me what it was. They cheated on some things when they were homeschooling. And I think this person was in their upper grades already. And uh, I'm sorry, and you know, they were uh, crying a little bit. And, and they had a, a sensitive heart to, I think, to the Lord because God's word is being preached. So there's this God consciousness and God cares about being a true witness and God wants them to be true before others. And so I'm glad that this child came and told me. And I said, I'm glad that you said that and here you're forgiven. And we dealt with the technicalities of what was done. And so I was glad for that. It's a personal, they wanted to make it right with their neighbor, their dad in this case. Notice he says, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. It's interesting, God values, wants us to value those with whom we are dealing with. I'm not saying there's not a place for on a larger scale for, we looked at this before in, in warfare, when nations are fighting against nations. There's a place, I think, for strategic deception among nations that are at war. I don't think God's trying to describe a warfare scenario. He's trying to describe interpersonal relationships. Warfare scenario, you expect that. You know, when we did, uh, there was D-Day, there was two of the beaches that we stormed um, um, in Europe, and just amazing stories of how all that happened, storming Normandy and on France and the other one on the other part of, um, of, um, of England there, or of uh, Europe. Did you know, though, that we, we had a strategic deception? There was one, I'm losing the names of all of it, but basically one of the places that we were going to storm the beaches of, we actually staged and we hired uh, we, we wanted the Nazis to think that we were going to go in this one spot. And we, they made, you can look this up, we made uh, rubber dummies, that's right, dummies, rubber tanks. I mean, from a distance, from flying a, a German airplane, it looks like there's a bunch of tanks, it looks like there's soldiers and they're dummy soldiers, they're rubber uh, tanks and trucks, and we had all that ready. And they thought, we're going to invade this part. And then days, I don't even think most of the military knew this, that we weren't. But days before, they, got, they had all of our guys ready. Day, within days before that, they went, no, we're going 100 miles away on this spot. And then we invaded that other spot. I don't know if it was the Normandy one or the other one. Omaha was the other one. Uh, and, um, and it was more successful because of the decoy. So this isn't talking about, you know, no, don't, you need to be honest with war. Hey! I'm over here. I want you to know I'm over here. You know, with warfare, it's not like that. God's talking about your interpersonal relationships. Okay, that's what He wants. When there's a, when there's an assumption of good dealings in warfare, there's not. It's like one of us has got to go. It's going to be you. You know, but there should be the assumption of honest dealings. So my personal relationships, people should be able to say, I I assume this this other teacher is going to be honest. I assume this manager is going to be honest. And then you fulfill that assumption. And, uh, and if they don't have that assumption, override it by saying, you've got a different one here. I'm going to be honest with you. Number three, so personal responsibility. Number two, personal relationships. Number three, this is about having a good personal testimony. Notice what it says, thou shalt not bear false witness. The idea of bear is that you're, you're bringing something out. You're showing something about some facts, but it's showing something about you. What do you bear? 
What do you bring out? How do you answer? How do you reply? How do you testify? There was a guy, there was a guy named, I read this, his name was Bob Harris. You could look, years ago, he was a meteorologist at like back east somewhere. Uh, Bob Harris for New York, for a New York television station. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to be a meteorologist, and he was, but he didn't have a degree. But the way he got his job, he actually studied at three different colleges, but he never got a degree at any of those. He phoned one of the television stations, WCBS TV, introducing himself as having a PhD, a PhD in geophysics from Columbia University. And this is late 70s, early 80s, I believe. The phony degree got him hired as an off-camera forecaster. For the next decade, his career flourished. He became widely known as Dr. Bob. Not the one we know on the radio here. Dr. Bob, back east, the meteorologist. He was also hired, not only this TV station, but the New York Times hired him as a consulting meteorologist. And the same year, both uh, uh, Long Island Railroad and then the be baseball commissioner, Bowie Cohn, at that time, also hired him. I mean, everybody's like, Bach, Dr. Bob, this guy's good, you know. And they hired him as a meteorologist. And, and as far as his job went, he did do his job right. He was pretty good at the meteorologist fulfillment. However, by age 40, at 40 years of age, in living a childhood dream, he suddenly found himself in public disgrace and national humiliation when an anonymous letter to the WCBS management prompted them to investigate his academic credentials. And they investigated his academic credentials and found he was lying. WCBS and the New York Times both fired him. And his story at the time got nationwide attention. He even thought he would lose his home and never work in the media again. Uh, mercifully, he did get a job still later on. But it was, it was dreadful for him. He admitted it was dreadful in his part and doubtless played a role in his marital problems. He said, here's his quote from him. Quote, I took a shortcut that turned out to be the long way around. And one day the bill came due. I will be sorry for as long as I live. Lies can cost us, you know, um, and, it, and it costs us on, on, it may cost you money, but also on your ter personal testimony. I don't want to be thought as that. I, I'd rather, I mean, how much is that worth? What is, isn't there a verse about that in the Proverbs? A good name is better than having a bunch of money. Part of having a good name is being trustworthy. And you can't really put a price on that. So here it's about personal testimony. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't bear false witness. Um, you know, some of us, we get, I, I, I remember Christians going through this during the whole COVID stuff and getting vaccines and all that stuff. And, you know, I don't care if you're for or against vaccines. That's not the point of the conversation. But I remember hearing people say that if, I, if they tell me I have to get a vaccine, then um, I'm going to have somebody write it on my records that I got a vaccine and, go, and then show it to my employer. And then my thought was, and then you're going to go witness to your employer too? Is that what you're going to do? Here, this is false, but this is true. No. That's bearing false witness. That's a false report. Don't do that. If you're against the vaccine, tell them. And if you get fired, stand for what's right. And let God deal with the consequence. Or anything like that. If it's not going to be a vaccine, it's going to be something else. You're going to be tempted to lie and put a false report on. Stand for Jesus and for what's true and let him deal with the con Let him manage the consequences of that. And so... 
thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. You won't be able to witness to him again or very easily if you do. Number four, last thing. This is the most important point right here about this whole command. This is personal to God. This command, number four, this command begins with God. I want us to get a concept in our mind that, that whatever we do, especially in the Ten Commandments, whatever I'm doing, trying to do morally, being honest, and all these things in the Ten Commandments, whatever I'm doing, it's because of God. It's because of that's what He loves. That's what He is. And because that's what God is, I want to honor that. The Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. It's because he at first says, hey, I'm the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm the Lord that brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And so you don't do this based on who he is. We don't say, you know, I'm going to be an honest person because that's what Baptists do. I'm going to be an honest person because that's what good old Americans do sometimes. I'm going to be an honest person because that's a family thing. It's, those are okay. But it's, it's, it's not to be an honest to gain admiration for your family, to gain admiration for the Baptist. You want to be honest because it's a reflection of a God who cannot lie. And is truth. He's a God of truth, the Scripture says in Deuteronomy. And so that's why we do it. Uh, the injunctions, all these moral injunctions are based on the character of God, specifically being a false witness. It being a false witness con runs contrary to the nature of God. I want to, we need to be a saver of God to people, right? And we've all blundered, right? We've all had a bad testimony. Perhaps we've been dishonest. But I want to <coughs> reset and say, I want to be a saver of God to people. And one of the <coughs> things need, people need to know about God is God's word can be trusted and God can be trusted. And they get a taste of that through you and I in our dealings with them. What is one of the fastest things that might turn off people from Christians? Oh, I met a dishonest Christian. I hear it a lot. Oh, that guy's a hypocrite. He's dishonest. And like, eh. Now, that doesn't mean the gospel's untrue. doesn't. The gospel's still true. But it, they just got a flavor of it. It makes them think, I don't know about their message then. So we want to be an honest billboard for Jesus. It's God's nature. Look in, let's look in John. Let's look at a few things about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's try to wrap this up. The Lord Jesus Christ is truth himself. He had to be truthful because that's the nature of God. It was actually natural to him to be it anyways. Look in John 1. John 1, 14. John 1, 14. Speaking of Jesus being called the Word. The Bible says about Jesus, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What is Jesus full of? full of grace and truth. Jesus is truth. This is one thing. It's like you could, we could go to Jesus and say, Jesus, tell me what you think. It would be exactly the truth. Tell me what you think about that over there. It would be exactly the truth. And um, look in John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the truth. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says. <clears throat> Thomas says, show us the way. Um, and Jesus says, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Look in 1 Timothy. Moving you around. Keep going to the right. 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6, it says something about 
the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 13. 1 Timothy 6, 13. It says, 1 Timothy 6.13, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. The Bible says, is saying that Jesus spoke the right thing. He witnessed a good confession. You know, that would be tempting to, to lie to somebody who's got power over your life, to kill you or whatever. Of course, Jesus is God. He's God, but he was God in the flesh. And when he was before Pilate, when he did speak, which was minimal, he said the, exact, he said the truth. And Pilate's even like, don't you, think, don't you realize I can kill you? And Jesus says, you don't, have any, you don't have power of me except what was given to you. And he goes, are you, are you a king then? He goes, thou sayest that I'm a king, for this cause came I into the world. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. <laughs> and he's like, what is truth? Walks off. He walked away from truth right there. But Jesus spoke the truth. Jesus is truth. We, I want to be truthful because it's a reflection of the Lord, my God and my Savior. Did you know what the opposite is? Speaking truth is godlike. But speaking false is de- demon-like. Jesus says, you're up to the, I think it was a lot of the Pharisees, you're of their father, the devil, the lust of your father you will do. He was a liar from the beginning. He's a murderer and a liar, he says. That's what he says in, in, in John 8. I think there's a verse in John about speaking lies and sin is of the devil. Look what it says in um, 1 Timothy 4.9. Let's get in 1 Timothy 4.9. The devil has doctrines. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. Let's back up to 1 Timothy 4, 1. It's not 4, 9, 4, 1. 1 Timothy 4, 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I mean, there's a lot we could say. I'm just trying to show you that God is true and truth. And when we speak truth, I'm reflecting and honoring Him. Satan is a father of lies, and when I speak lies, I'm looking like one of the kids of this, one of Satan's kids, right? Huh. (laughs) I don't want to look like a little devil. Speak like a little one. You know, this guy Rob, we'll wind this up. This guy Rob Mao, that was an athlete, uh, that soccer player. It's interesting. He, um, there was a columnist, his name, was Bob Green, who wrote about this kid back in the 90s. I'll read you some things. He wrote about his Rob's um, event as a soccer player, kicking the goal, but seeing right before he kicked it, the time was out, and going to the, going to the ref and saying, hey, listen, this, I, it was too late. It wasn't a legitimate goal. And the coaches and him going to the team and saying, we concede to you the victory because it wasn't a true victory. And all based on honesty. Well, this guy, Rob Green, Bob Green was his columnist, wrote it. And, and Rob said this about this. Rob, the athlete, said, Every time in your life you have the opportunity to do right, you should be thankful. 
For a person to know what is right and then not do it, that would be a sin. To have won the game, this teenager says, to have won the game, I mean, who really cares? But doing the right thing is more important. It lets you have peace. <laughs> Isn't that true? You know, that, that column got the attention of somebody, and he got a letter in the mail. This kid, Rob, got a letter in the mail from somebody he hadn't met. He reads, opens up the letter, and here's what the letter said to this teenager. Dear Rob, I read Bob Green's column about you. It was a wonderful column. I love sports, and I'm a, I'm a true sportsman. Or I love sports and true sportsmen. My faith in our future was renewed and lifted by that column I read. Never lose your principles. Always stand for what's decent and right. That's what you told us when you refused the victory. And that letter was signed by George H.W. Bush, president at the time. Isn't that amazing? He's acknowledged by somebody higher. You know, we, you know a president may not see the things that you do, and the police may not see the bad things you do, you know. But God does, and He will commend us. Amen? God will commend you for the tough decisions that you made that were right. You'll lose reward for the otherwise as a Christian. But God commends us. God notices that. And what I want is to get the attention and approval of God. They that deal truly are His delight. That's what I want. Let's pray together.